Coming to us from the Houston area, we've got John Clark with us. Mr. John Clark, Clark Energy Consulting. Yeah, Jason, down here south in Houston, it's uh, getting pretty hot. Uh, summertime's approaching, so uh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's a good time to come on and talk about what's going on. Of course, there's been several rounds of CARES financing. We've had some bailout talk. We've had uh, uh, several states now talking about nationalizing oil, if you will, getting in and controlling production. So we've got all kinds of different things happening. And there was a article in Reuters that I thought was rather interesting. ConocoPhillips CEO says, surprised by swift recovery in oil prices. So, you know, there's, there's some good news over the horizon for some. Of course, what we're talking about is is not impacting everybody, but there are people looking for positive notes out there in the economy because I've been telling people they just pumped $7 trillion into the economy. Go get the money that Jeff Bezos didn't get because he got the lion's share. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing out there. And this uh, ConocoPhillips CEO says he's kind of surprised by the swift recovery in oil prices. Yeah, Jason, I you know, I'm surprised too. I you know, to be honest, it's been a couple months since uh since I've been on the show, so uh glad to kind of share, you know, what I've seen lately and and uh you know, I think uh you know, oil prices going negative was a big shock and then, you know, today we're sitting at uh oil's at 35.80. So, you know, close I think it approached 40, I think um recently and so it rebounded quite rapidly i was actually surprised too and and i know conoco was actually uh pretty vocal in that they were uh, one of the first operators to actually uh announce that they were shutting in wells and so i i think it was about four hundred and fifty thousand barrels that they shut in and uh so i you know he you know obviously the ceo is surprised with the rebound i'm surprised uh, I'm, I'm sure some of those shut-ins really helped with, you know, the supply and demand. But the question is, are operators going to open their wells back up at the current prices? And uh, that'll be remain, you know, remain to see. But I think, uh, yeah, I was cer certainly surprised. I think, you know, going forward, it's going to be a question for operators. You know, do we open our wells back up? Do we leave them shut in? Uh, and, you know, prior to that, the question was, do we shut them in or do we curtail them? And so, uh, you know, now that we're close to $40 a barrel, we're certainly closer, you know, in a, the economic range to consider reopening wells. And, and we'll see if uh, operators start doing that. Unique time, really, because the shut-ins are creating quite a ripple that, you know, takes a little bit for people to realize. And then when you layer in some of the PPP money that is set to expire July 31st, uh, you've got a few things that the energy industry is really paying attention to and trying to get this swift recovery going. There's a reason behind this, okay? There's a reason behind that because when you shut when you shut down a well, it's hard to get those people back. You know, they got to go find jobs somewhere else. A lot of times they don't necessarily want to work. They've got family issues to deal with. And then you've got a lot of the 1099 employees that if they got to diversify their economy or figure out a new way of life they got to talk to their wife or their spouse or significant other you know to make things work because anytime you have adjustments it it ripples into your personal life and etc so i i get why there is such a um call to action if you will to address these wells one way or another at least in the bakken they're they're talking about okay the shut-ins either let, let's 
let's address it now or there's going to be problems down the line, if that makes sense, John. Yeah, and actually, I, I heard yesterday there was a, a deal announced. Northern Oil & Gas bought uh, Williston Basin Acreage from uh, WPX. And so there's still companies that are positioned to acquire at this point, which that was great news to hear. I, I It was a small uh, purchase. I think it was um, 1,200 barrels of oil equivalent per day. But, you know, there are companies that are going to survive this and, and be positioned to grow. And, and some of those companies like Northern are already taking advantage of, you know, the low prices to purchase companies that are, you know, m- you know willing to sell. And so that that's definitely good and healthy for the industry, I think. It obviously has been troublesome with, you know, the low price environment. But I think, um, you know, the companies that are, uh, you know, have the business models and, and the position acreage positions to thrive will, you know, ultimately survive this. And, and they'll, there will be plenty, I think, for, you know, in the next few years, plenty of um, M&A deals and opportunities to, you know, take advantage of, of uh, you know, companies that, you know, are looking to exit. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's good and bad. It's kind of like, you know, you have people that are wanting to get out, but also buyers still. So uh, that's good news. I guess I kind of look at the economy right now when it comes to the oil and gas market as it's um, almost a reflection of what's going on in the political world and a lot of other areas where it's very polarizing, meaning that seems like, you know, on, in, in the political world, you got one spectrum and then the other spectrum of the extremes that are kind of in, in, in the leadership roles, if you will. And the people in the middle, you know, they're kind of kind of figuring out their way. And when I look at the oil and gas industry, you know, I, I don't really have much, con, you know, I'm not too concerned about the big guys, you know, called the big three, the big four, even the big five. I think they're going to they're going to make it through, and if they don't, a lot of you know it's it's shown that the government will bail out of the big a lot of the big companies, whether it's too big to fail or whatever the case is. So when I look at the bigger companies, I think they'll be okay. It's those middle ones that I think are really vulnerable right now, and the reason I say that is because the small, small, small guys, and I just talked to a few this week, they don't get a lot of press coverage, but the fact that they're able to be quick and nimble. And the fact that they're able to diversify themselves much quicker than a lot of the bigger companies, especially publicly traded companies, that's going to be their strength because whether it's artificial intelligence coming in, whether it's remote fracking so that the the roughnecks can now go to their kids' soccer games or it's a Zoom office five days a week and three days a week will be at the office. I don't know. There's a new workflow and a new way of life that is even impacting oil and gas. So that's just kind of a little bit of a caution at the same time, an observation. And uh, I'd love to know your opinion on that, John Clark. Bet, Jason, you, you brought up a good point about, you know, re- working remotely. And I think a lot of us have been, you know, um, going through that, working from home. And, and, and it's affecting oil and gas, too, not only from, you know, nobody's traveling, nobody's flying, you know, uh, <clears throat> but also it's, it's, you know, the industry itself is, you know, I think the whole, every economy is looking at how can we do more with less people? And, um, you know, it's in some ways it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's going to re- require technology. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, the future of everything. And it's going to require people that understand that technology that can implement it. Um, but yeah, 
the topic of remote drilling, I, I heard uh, one of my buddies, um, he's a, he works for a directional drilling company, and he was saying that you know one of the rigs he's on, they're looking at ways to deploy uh, remote um, you know, directional drilling services and remote fracking. And I think we touched on this a little bit, you know, even a couple months ago, but it's even in the last two months, it's been accelerated in the, you know, um, uh, in the industry. And so it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think, you know, at the same time, you're going to still need people that understand how to drill a well uh, and how to implement that technology to do it remotely. But it, you know, I think it can be done with less people. Um, but you know it's going to uh, certainly evolve over time, and um, will be interesting to see how that plays out. But you know I think the rig count since we last spoke, Jason, I think we the rig count is down 500 rigs. So um, we went from like 800 to 300. Frat crew count is down from 400 to 40. And so you know I don't know if um, you know that'll increase much with you know any technological advances, but certainly um, you know be you know the rig count was 12, you know, over a thousand, um, you know, only five years ago. And so, you know, we've, you know, the industry has continually been able to evolve and adapt and innovate and do more with less. And I think that'll continue to be the trend. I think a, uh, a new yardstick than rig count is going to come out of this too. That's been one of my number one, uh, I guess, themes I've heard from people that the, um, the rig count needs to be changed. It needs to be updated because it only gives us a certain amount of information that the innovations and the uh, artificial intelligence and just some of the ancillary impacts that we now know about that get fed into a well. Uh, I, I, I think we're going to see a new formula when it comes to whether it's a rig count or it's a whole new word like a, fl- a frack flow or something like that. I, I just... Um, I, I think we're going to see that come with the evolution, and um, you follow rig counts quite a bit. Uh, what, what, what do you think of that? That do you, do you think we might see a new a new way of counting rigs or or measuring rigs as we're going forward? Do you think that the rig count is um, sufficient for what we're dealing with? Yeah, I mean it it is and it isn't because the you know there's. <laughs> Yeah, there's no right or wrong answer on this because you know we've heard lot. This is this is not a new topic by any means. It just it comes up every now and then, and um, it it just seems like a good time to have that to- topic, I guess. So feel free to say whatever you want. I just I just wanted to make sure I said that because I know so often we're so afraid to to talk freely. But hey, man, this is one of those times we can talk free. Ha! Yeah, no, it's you know it. it I've seen a chart that uh, showed, you know, rig count and versus number of wells drilled. And so really at the end of the day, it's it's more about the number of wells drilled. And if you can drill more wells with less rigs, then there's your number. Uh, but, you know, the, the publicly reported data from Baker Hughes is the rig count. And that's the way it's been. I, I honestly would love to see a frat crew count that's normally not published uh, weekly, kind of like the rig count is. Um, so I would love to see that. I think that's really the best indicator because if you're fracking a well, you're going to produce it. But there are wells that are drilled but not fracked, right? So uh, there's also that disconnect. But, uh, you know, I think at this point, the conversation, you know, sub $40 a barrel is more about what do we do with our existing production and how, would we, how do we manage that? And, and so going back to the original, you know, uh, you know, touch point on 
Do we curtail? Do we shut in? There's actually a lot of considerations, uh, not only from the reservoir impacts, but also, uh, you know, how many people does it require? Are we going to have, do we need, do we even, like in some cases, we may have the opportunity to shut in a well remotely. You know, there are um, what's called SCADA systems. It's uh, supervisory control and data acquisition where you can actually, in some cases, shut in wells with the click of a button on a computer. And uh, in other cases, most most often it's it's it requires a guy that has to go out there to shut in to the valve. But um, you know there are remote actuation opportunities for uh, production. And then the other thing to consider is um, you know what about the facilities? Do we need you know? Uh, and then is there an opportunity to to test the wells? Like sometimes there's multiple wells that flow into a single facility. Um, if you're going to shut in a well anyways. You know what? You know how? How can you take an advantage of the opportunity to, uh, you know, test the production? Or in some cases, there's been technology installed with the wells, like fiber optics, in the subsurface, and and um, I think it would be a great opportunity to shut in a well, uh, produce it, and then you know evaluate how the flow regime may change in the subsurface in these fifteen thousand foot laterals, you know. Um, so it's 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 certainly interesting. I think there's a lot of opportunity to take the information and make decisions off of it and understand the reservoir a little bit better. Um, so if nothing else, you know, uh, you know, the low price environment can be a chance to you know test the field and and continue to understand and hopefully, you know, weather the storm and uh, take that information and you know it, it can be valuable to someone that would want to acquire or. Um, to better understand the, you know, the acreage position that uh, is at hand. Got some homework for you for next time, and that is uh, BP. Saw last week that they announced they're going to lay off 10,000 employees. I'm aware that 4,000 of them approximately work in Houston. I don't know how many of those are being laid off, if any at all, but um, there, it seems to be another round of layoffs coming, and um that's just uh, something that I don't really know if we can get into today, but if if that's another sign or if this is anomaly or, or what the case is, um, just keep an eye on it if you wouldn't mind, and maybe next time when we have you on, we can talk about that, and, and hopefully BP is the only one. But um, generally, you know, it's from the top down. So once BP lays off people, that's going to have a ripple effect through. So uh, again, folks, $7 trillion printing out in the economy in the last six months. Go get it. Go get it because it's out there. Um, and, you know, there are. we talked to a guy earlier today in Wyoming, man. He's busier than can be. He's busy, busy, busy because he got into a little bit of municipalities and diversified himself a little bit. And, you know, the big guys are diversifying themselves too. So there, there's a lesson that can be learned there too that um, it almost seems like diversity is uh, what's kind of – getting some people through and you got to be really smart about it because now is not a time to make mistakes. It's now is the time to be really sharp about your next move. And so it's almost best to crawl as opposed to, to run if you will. But um, anyway, I just want to give you some homework for next time because um, that's a little bit heavier of a topic than maybe you're prepared for. But um, have you been following some of these um, potential layoffs and layoffs and everything? Yeah, a little bit. I saw the one from BP. You know, that's obviously unfortunate. Um, I think the services industry was, you know, first hit. Uh, a lot of the 
major capital decisions to drill and frack a well. Obviously, it's evident in the numbers and recount and frack crews. Um, so that was certainly the first, you know, to take a hit. And then it's, uh, I, th- I think, unfortunately, some of the operating companies are are now looking at what they can do with their staff. And, and it's, to be honest, it's gotta, it's gotta be awful to have to get laid off while you're stuck working at home. Like to not be able to look your boss in the eye and, and see, you know, speak to the person that's laying you off. It's, it's sad. Um, and I feel for everyone that's having to go through that. It's, uh, you know, I've gone through layoffs myself too. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, I think, you know, some of the things I've learned through the experience is just to be resilient, you know, to identify, you know, the transferable skills that, um, you know, you can apply to, to other areas and, and run with it. Um, you know, obviously I think oil and gas is cyclical. We know that, and it, it always comes back and that's the good news, but it's, man, it's been rough the past five years. So I certainly feel for everyone that's going through that. Any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up anything that we left out, anything you want to reiterate, uh, as I like to give guests kind of the final thoughts, uh, Mr. John Clark, Clark energy consulting. Yeah, no, Jason, I, I don't really have anything else. I, I, uh, you know, appreciate the chance to be on the show. I hope everyone's staying safe, staying home and, uh, you know, we'll get through this together. So thanks for having me on the show, Jason.